Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of Shredding the Gnar. On today's episode, I get to speak to Trey Packard, founder of Pangea Seed, as well as Seawall's Artivism. Join me as I chat to Trey about his incredible story, from his humble beginnings to becoming a respected leader in the art and conservation world. We discover how his childhood spent in Hawaii, surrounded by the beauty of nature, sparked his love and deep connection to the ocean. But let's get right in to this episode with Trey Packard from Pangea Seed. Welcome everyone to another episode of Shredding the Gnar. Today I've got a really, really special guest with us, Trey Packard. Pangea Seed founder and also Seawalls, I understand? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I'm Trey Packard. I'm uh, based in uh, the Big Island of Hawaii. Um, and yeah, I'm the founder of Pangea Seed Foundation and the co-creator of the Seawalls Artists for Oceans Public Art Program. Fantastic. And before we carry on, I just want to give a big thanks to my associates over at Wavescape. And remember, if you enjoy what you're seeing, hit the like button and subscribe. Thank you, Trey. Let's kick in. So... I need to know this because you're someone who uh, has a great love for the ocean. Mm -hmm. I've, I've just got to look at some of the uh, wildly creative uh, tattoos on your arm, uh, ocean <laughs> life tattoos, and it's a dead giveaway for the fact that you, you, your love is for the ocean. Uh, let's, let's rewind and go back to, to when you were younger and before mm. your journey started. Like, how did you connect with the ocean? Yeah, um, I grew up on the coast of California, so um, I think just by proximity, I didn't have any other choice. And um, yeah, I grew up surfing and skating, and you know, I was really into you know hip hop and punk rock, and I mean, those were kind of the the, the influences you know for me as a, as a kid. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, for me, like I've never been necessarily a religious person, but the ocean has always kind of been my my sanctuary and kind of like temple and opportunity to disconnect and center myself at times uh, when I need it. Um, and I didn't really notice that as a kid. The older I get, of course, the more I do. My relationship with the ocean deepens, you know, with every time I get in it. Um, and uh, yeah, so I've always had this passion and love for the oceans. Um, I got my scuba certification when I was 16 years old. Um, and yeah, I've kind of gone all the way to, to getting my dive master, um, uh, teaching for a little bit, uh, another lifetime ago. And um, yeah, traveling the world uh, mainly for, you know, getting in the water. Um, like since I was a kid, I've always loved sharks. They were kind of like, I guess my, um, I get gateway drug, you know, for falling in love with the ocean, mm. uh, so to speak. So um, I think with a lot of, you know, little kids, especially boys, it's either kind of sharks or dinosaurs. And I've always been sharks, um, and I've never really grown out of that. So, um, yeah, on a couple of dive trips back in the early 2000s, um, I started going to locations that are, were supposed to be rich in shark populations. But when I got there, they were the, the sharks were gone, so they'd been overfished. And so um, started digging deeper into that and found out about what was happening with the shark fin trade around the world. It's estimated that around like 70 to 100 million sharks are killed every year, specifically for their fins for shark fin soup. It's incredibly wasteful. It's very barbaric. Um, and when you take an animal uh, of that importance, you know, over 500 million years of, of, of evolution, it's one of the oldest animals on the planet. And you take that away from an ecosystem, you know, it can cause a lot of issues. So um, diving deeper into that, so to speak, 
um, or I learned about what was happening with sharks, and I always had a camera with me. Um, and back then, you know, that was kind of the dawning of digital and still, you know, film at the time. Um, so I was taking photos of, you know, where I was traveling and, and, and experiencing. And um, at one point, um, I was working with some different people uh, that I was friends with, kind of that were based throughout Asia, and um, got the opportunity to do a couple of assignments focusing on the endangered wildlife trade, specifically marine life, because at that time, I was living in Asia. Um, and it, it was kind of a, a light bulb moment for me where I realized, you know, what, how important it is to show the realities of mm -hmm. the issues and what's happening out there to uh, marine life. But at the same time, like over, well, over time, um, I started to realize that, you know, documenting, documenting the death and destruction is important, but at the same time, it's important to give people hope. Um, and fast forward to, I don't know, this would have been like circa 2009, and I uncovered the largest industrial shark finning operation in Asia. Um, and that was a big turning point for me. And um, were you living? Were you living in Asia at the yeah, time? Yeah, at the time. Okay. Yeah. So, um, uh, and, and after that happened, and uh, we worked with a couple of, of like renowned conservationists to bring them in to document it, and they used their platforms to get it out. It got picked up by international press and kind of went wild. Um, so, but at that point, um, I saw it, you know, clicking with people in other countries, but within Japan, where I was based, it didn't make a ripple. So nobody really paid attention to what was happening. Right. Um, and at that point, like that kind of like showed me that, you know, it's really challenging to, you know, being a foreigner in a foreign country. It's challenging to kind of like point a finger and tell people, you know, change cultural habits or don't do this and don't do that. Um, and at the same time, that was around the time that the cove had come out. And, um, you know, that's a movie that, you know, won the Academy Award for Best Documentary, yes. um, you know, sparked, you know, you know, international outrage and compassion for, you know, dolphins all over the world. But within the country of Japan, it didn't change anything. It made things worse, potentially. Um, and I, that, from my perspective, I feel that that's because there wasn't an olive branch extended. There wasn't conversation going into these communities and saying, hey, let's try to solve this problem mm -hmm. together. Uh, but it was kind of, you know, more of kind of like um, exploitive to some extent. Uh, but... I do feel that film serves its purpose. It's a great film. Like, I think that's another kind of like gateway drug for people to get into ocean conservation. Like, I've had so many people tell me that they've gotten into conservation because of, you know, films like The Cove and Shark Water and um, different things like that. So, um, kind of jumping back a little bit. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, but going back, yeah, so sure. before we carry on, just going back to, to when you were younger and to mm -hmm. your youth, did, um, like, you obviously you were in the ocean. Like, what, as a, as a younger person, what was the fascination for you with sharks? Did you see them at a local? Where was yeah. that that first? My first interaction would have been in Hawaii. Okay, actually, yeah, on okay. a family vacation, and yeah, so like seeing one in the water. I guess my first reaction was kind of like fear because like, I think that's what you know media kind of pushes on us when it comes to sharks. Yep, it was a small shark, just a reef shark, but still, you know, it was my first time to like be kind of like you know face to face with one, you know, so to speak. And the shark just took off. It was afraid of me. So that was one of those moments. It was kind of like, you know, kind of reprogrammed the way that I thought. Um, because, you know, I was kind of, you know, under the assumption that they're going to attack you or whatever, and they're dangerous animals and so on. So, yeah, just from there, I just kind of, uh, my fascination with them just grew. Mm. And it turned from kind of like fear and fascination to love and fascination. Your curiosity yeah, for, yeah, for, 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 for an animal that you thought yeah, has been victimized and villainized yeah, in the sure. media since Jaws, you know, so. What's your feelings on that? What's your feelings on Jaws? Um, I think, personally, it's one of the greatest movies ever created. It's okay. a fantastic story. I mean, from start to finish, it's just a perfect script. Um, but the impact that it's had on, uh, you know, generations of, of people all around the world is, is, has been really 
you know, intense. And the stigma. Yeah, the stigma around it, for sure, because that's what a lot of people know about sharks is from this film. So, yeah, if anything, if you could go back in time, just put a disclaimer at the front saying, this is fiction, don't be stupid, <laughs> use your head, you know. This does not happen. Yeah. So yeah, we're and not on their menu. And yeah. there's been a few, yeah, there's been a few follow-on films that haven't done any any more credits. Oh to, yeah, yeah, to yeah. It, you know? Definitely, definitely. So yeah, there's big money in that. You know, exploitation and you know, like everybody loves a good villain. So yeah. yeah. So in terms of, because to a degree, we call you like is is philanthropist the correct terminology uh, or a, a conservationist, conservationist and humanitarian activist? activist? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But before curator. we get curator, yeah. Okay, you all those things. But before you, you've got to this point in mm-hmm. your life, and you know, and and you're doing all these great things. What were you doing? Were you always involved? You, you said you were teaching. Is that what is that what your daytime job was back in the day, or did you have other? Yeah, you have at, other like, background? out of university, like I kind of had a desk job, uh, a corporate job, and it was something that just was kind of soul crushing. Great money, but I realized quickly, and I'm glad I did that at an early age, that that's not what's important to me. Travel and experience and connection um, it was more important. That that outweighed that, I guess, that kind of security, so to speak. Um, so yeah, like like I kind of cut those ties, and my sister was living in uh, Asia at the time, and I went over to visit on a trip, and I was just like, you know, I I. I I was at a point in my life with like relationships and work and things like that where I was like, wow, I've got nothing to lose. Let's go for it. So, yeah, yeah went back, packed a bag and never looked back. So, Amazing. Yeah, yeah. So I was in Asia for, I don't know, around six and a half years. Yeah. Okay. So, and that's kind of, of time. I know it's cliche, but that's kind of where you, you found yourself essentially. Yeah. In terms of like your dedication to the ocean. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, like I feel like I've always kind of been pulled in this direction whether I have paid attention to it or not. Um and yeah, I've always said that, you know, Pangea Seed Foundation kind of chose me. I didn't choose it. And I'm just kind of this vessel for it yeah. to, to some extent. Um, but yeah, I've been, you know, really fortunate to be able to carve out this life where I'm still able to travel and connect people and do great things, inspire communities um, all around this central, you know, message of protecting oceans. Because like, uh, you know, I guess to put it in, in simple terms, without healthy oceans, life on land is impossible. You know, they supply 70% of the oxygen we breathe, mm-hmm. uh, regulate climate, you know, provide protein for a huge number of people on our overpopulated planet. Um, so, yeah, like, I mean, if oceans die, we die. So it's that simple. So, um, but at the same time, you know, a lot of this information is out there in the world, uh, but a lot of people are not tuned into it. You know, yeah. a lot of people are looking down at their devices, Black Mirror style, you know. And mm. um, yeah, so that's that's a that's a major issue. So let's talk about Pangea Seed, because sure. I think what you've done is you've I mean, there's so many amazing organizations, NPOs out there doing yeah, amazing yeah. things. Definitely. But I think you've you've taken a creative spin. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, no, sorry. You've put a creative spin on drawing people's attention to these critical issues that we need to deal with by combining art and artivism um, but Pangea Seed like you came up with the name you 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 yeah devised the whole the whole program yeah 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 so as I was saying I was living in Japan at the time mm-hmm. and it was right after I uh, uh, uncovered the uh, shark finning operation up in northern Japan mm-hmm. um, and I was talking with friends about this issue and um, yeah local friends people that are, that are based in Japan and like yeah there's just a big disconnect in terms of like how humanity treats our natural resources. Um, and not everybody, of course. I mean, there's some incredibly compassionate people that, you know, really are pushing for positive change in the country. But um, yeah, so I felt that, you know, as a foreigner in a foreign country, it's not my place to tell people what they can and can't do, you know. 
Um, I think if you reverse that role, imagine someone coming to America and saying something about like gun control or something like that or yeah. abortion rights. You know, people would lose their shit. Yeah. Um, unfortunately. Um, so yeah, like like I felt that you know using um, art as a tool to communicate this issue might you know be an opportunity to connect with people because at the time I started looking at different you know NGOs and nonprofits and like I mean this was 2010 so we're looking at almost 13 years ago like um, it, it felt kind of conservative or militant and nothing kind of like resonated with me for like how if I wanted to donate money or spend my time. Um, and I grew up in a family full of artists. My mom um, is an artist and she was an art teacher for years. My grandfather was a professional musician. So we were always encouraged to use creativity in our home. To and you grew solve. up in California yeah. skating. I mean, I've got my Tony Elvis on. Yeah, yeah, and, totally. Um, you, I think we're from a similar sort of timeline when animal, yeah. Search for Animal Chin was, was oh, what we used to oh, put yeah. into the... Definitely, definitely. I still have my VHS. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> good. Yeah, yeah so I, I can relate and it resonates with, mm. with me, you know, and, and what you've done is you've taken that street culture, mm. the creativity of your family's uh, history and the, the heritage... And you've amalgamated it into a, a project that is ultimately passionate to you, but planet Earth, essentially. Yeah, definitely. I think you nailed it right there. I mean, like, I think we all kind of, you know, we're products of our environment and we rely on what we know. And that's what I did. And so um, I hosted an art show in 2010 that focused specifically on ocean conservation, or excuse me, on, on shark conservation. And I reached out to around like 50 different artists and I just incorporated like elements into it that I thought would be fun, music and film and discussion and uh, dance and uh, art and like it was a huge success it was like a sold out event you know people were packed in there and, and for me that was kind of like a light bulb moment it was like okay you know people resonated with this and you know let's see what we can do with it and at that time my full-time gig was uh, photography so you know documenting um, throughout different areas in Asia and um, and, and then like uh, at, at that point I felt like you know I could keep pushing with this and do something special with it uh, but at the time like even today, there's still no blueprint for what we've created. Like we've created this like on the fly. And when I say we, because there's a team behind this at this point. Sure. Um, and uh, yeah, so we, like it, it just kept growing and growing and we kept hosting events. And then we were asked to bring it to uh, Europe and then we were asked to bring it to um, uh, the U.S. And um, so at that point, like I was in a position, this was right after the earthquake in 2011 in, in Japan and the issue with Fukushima and um, it just didn't feel like a stable place to be living at that time. So my uh, partner at the time, she joined Pangea Seed around 2011, um, and we ended up getting married. And like, I mean, the organization has brought so much to me over the years; it's crazy. Um, but anyway, we decided to relocate back to the U.S. Mm -hmm. um, and we felt that Hawaii was a great location because that puts us like you know between the mainland and Asia, so we can get back to Asia quickly if we need to do projects there or whatever we're doing. And um, it's not a bad place to live. Yeah, yeah, Hawaii's not a bad place to live at all, at all. <laughs> yeah, if you like, you know, endless yeah. summers and you know, <laughs> good surf and <laughs> exactly, yeah, yeah gorgeous islands and great exactly. food and yeah. Um, so yeah, that's how I got back to the States. And then from there, um, we just kind of like focused like the next year on, uh, you know, going through the process of, uh, registering as a proper nonprofit. It's a very difficult, um, process in the U S uh, there, there's a lot of legalities that are in place like that for nonprofit status. And so it was a total learning curve for us. Um, so we, we dug into that and then we built out a board of directors, um, and advisors and, um, uh, our program areas. And then I went to Sri Lanka around that same time for a project and, um, we, uh, 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 we painted a mural in this village, um, where manta rays were being over harvested. 
and for their gills. Um, and so that was kind of a light bulb moment. It was kind of like, because it started a lot of conversation and uh, we painted this mural that focused on uh, manta ray conservation. And so for us, that was a light bulb moment. And at that point, like I was kind of frustrated because like in the gallery space, um, you know, I think galleries are not for everybody. Like um, not everybody's going to walk in off the street mm. to a gallery. You know, it, it, it can be a very specific type of kind of like, I guess, clientele. Um, and then when we started incorporating street art, that was kind of like we kicked the door down. It was just kind of like, holy shit, you know, you can you can take this directly to a community. You know, yeah. this is di a diplomatic. It's, um, you know, free source. Uplifting. It's, yeah, yeah. It's inspiring. It's educational. You know, you're changing the way that people commute to work, the way the kids go to school every day. Um, and so, yeah, so we went back and we played with this model. And in 2014, we launched Seawall's Artists for Oceans. Um, so, which is our public art program. And we did our first one in, on, a, on a remote island in Mexico, um, focusing on um, uh, sustainable tourism around manta rays and whale sharks. It's like one of the largest whale shark aggregations on the planet. And um, yeah, again, like the, the community outreach, the impact that it had, it, it was just kind of like transformative. And we kept going down that rabbit hole further and further and further. And yeah, so here we are today, 2023, and we crossed the 500 mural mark in uh, 19 countries. Yeah, in well, January. Thank you. Well done. Yeah, so all ocean advocacy murals. Um, it's the only public art program like this on the planet. And yeah, we're incredibly proud of the track record. We've worked with artists, you know, as renowned as like Shepard Ferry, uh, D-Face, Tristan Eaton, Lauren YS, to, you know, people that are just doing their first mural. So it's um, a platform where we want to bring creatives together from all different backgrounds, all different skill sets to help give the oceans a voice. All the links are down below for the Pangea Seed Foundation and the Seawalls. If you want to get involved, show some love, support them, buy some merch, even. buy some merch, do whatever you need to do because the money is going to a good place. It's, uh, it's all about social upliftment and drawing attention to the fact that we need to pay a lot more attention on how we treat the oceans and the life in the oceans. So why South Africa? What are you doing here, Trey? Yeah. So as I was saying, you know, we've, we've, took this uh, program, we've taken this program to over 19 countries. We've taken it from the polar bear capital of the world in the subarctic down to the coral triangle in Indonesia. Hold on, um, you, you've done a mural in the subarctic. Yeah, yeah, we did 20, I think it was 23 murals in the subarctic back in 2016. Where? It's a place called Churchill. Okay. Yeah, yeah, so it's the polar bear capital of the world. Um, during the height of polar bear season, there are more bears in town than people. Um, <laughs> each, lo like, like, and that's one of the things like that I love about this program is that, you know, we're able to uh, take it to all these different locations mm. and cultures and how it, how it really shows the power of, of art. Mm -hmm. You know, that is a universal language. Cause like, I mean, we host this project everywhere and we're dealing with cultural bearers and, you know, um, everything that kind of, you know, comes in between working with, you know, cities and communities and individuals and so many different personalities. So, um, it's taught me an incredible, I guess, series of skill sets over the mm. years, you know, and a lot of patience, a lot of trial and error, um, and a lot of humility, uh, over the years. Um, and yeah, so like when we took it to that location, um, yeah, we were kind of like, you know, uh, like working kind of on the dark side of the moon, so to speak. <laughs> I think there was maybe one mural up there that was very, very kind of basic. So this was the first time anything like that had been inject in injected into the community. Mm. And 
I'm not doing this on my own. We have a team at this point. You. you know, a really, it's a well-oiled machine. And like, you know, there's a lot of unsung heroes on the back end that don't get the opportunity to speak about what they do on the team and stuff. And um, we wouldn't be here today without that crew. So big up um, to the crew. Definitely, definitely. So, and it's a, it's an international crew. So um, it, it's kind of like an Avengers team. Like anytime we're you know activating somewhere Box in the Avengers. world. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, you know, you reach out to to you know you know our homies on the team and are you ready? Are you available? And everybody just kind of like cool. you know gets together and we go and you know do some great work send in it yeah yeah we go send it totally. and, and that's and that's what you're going to be doing in south africa yeah yeah so that's what that's the reason i'm here right now so i'm working with um uh the great team at at wavescape and um that's us yeah shani's over there yep, the yep. shani's here cool and yeah so like what kind of what happens like when we do projects is people you know reach out to us via you know on our websites or it's an introduction from like mutual friends or something like that. Sometimes governments reach out, businesses or so on. Uh, but Shani reached out um, about, I don't know, eight months ago. And um, yeah, so we started, you know, chatting and having some late night calls on both ends because it's like a 12 hours yeah. difference between Hawaii and, and South Africa. Um, yeah, and just kind of exploring like what could potentially be done. And she's been doing some incredible work here in Cape Town. Um, with public artwork and advocacy around the oceans as well. So at this point, um, we're, we're you know on track to be hosting the festival here in November of this year. So I'm out here right now doing um, a site visit with um, Shani and her team and um, doing some like you know specific meetings and and just kind of like putting all the pieces together so we're ready to go in November. Amazing. We we can't wait for it to kick off. It's going to be an absolute blast. And where and how many locations around Cape Town? Um, we're looking at probably between like. 12 to 14 yeah um, okay. locations and then with our seawalls projects like the murals are the focal point you know when when they're being painted but we also incorporate um, a different series of like outreach opportunities for the community to get involved as well we do panel discussions and film screenings beach cleanups uh, youth workshops and different stuff like that so we'll have a whole menu of free events that the public can come and experience um, and then, of course, yeah, the murals are, are the main highlight. Working with different uh, scientists and researchers. So for specifically this project in Cape Town, um, our title sponsor for the project is Save Our Seas Foundation, uh, which are doing some fantastic work all around the world, focusing on shark conservation as well. Um, and uh, so working with them, uh, we're going to be uh, having the opportunity to take the artists and the team in advance to learn about the research that they're doing and, and learn about the work that they're doing in the community um, and give them an opportunity to kind of like have a, a hands-on kind of citizen science experience. Very cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, uh, I guess with our you know public art program, like you'll talk to a lot of artists and sometimes when they go out on these projects, not ours necessarily, but on mm. mural projects, they're just kind of in a parking lot, you know, for two weeks looking at a wall and <laughs> then they're on a plane and they're back to the, you know, back home or to the next wall. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like, so, but we wanted, we've always like worked hard to create like a really holistic kind of experience. So, you know, from education to culture, um, food sustainability, um, we want to give the artists a really well-rounded experience because mm. at the end of the day, the artist is a spokesperson for the project. And if they can't, you know, speak, you know, well to the project or to the issue that they're highlighting, we're kind of missing the mark. Um, so we do a lot of work on the back end to make sure that, you know, we're covering all those bases. Um, and when choosing our artists, um, we try to do a balanced lineup of local, regional, and visiting. 
Um, we feel it's really important that, you know, on projects like this to highlight, you know, in, in artists that are, you know, in that space locally, mm-hmm. yeah, regionally and internationally. So, yeah, it, it's pretty cool. You know, sometimes you'll have a project where you have, you know, like a top tier, you know, rock star artist, you know, painting next to an artist who may be doing their first mural. So um, that's cool. Yeah. And it's everybody's coming together for the specific cause around oceans um, and, you know, donating their time and talent to, you know, to help make this happen. So, yeah, it's a really, really unique and beautiful approach to creating public. It's a fun process. eh? Mm. And I suppose you've fine tuned it over the years as to, you know, to get it to streamlined is what it is now. I understand we're working with uh, local sponsors, Volcom as well. So shout out to Volcom. Shout out. We've got to say thank you to Plascon Paints of South Africa who are going to very kindly be supplying the paints for all the murals. Yeah, you can't have good, I mean, you can't have good murals without good paint, so, yeah. We've also got to give thanks to the Western Cape Arts and Culture Department, as well as our beloved Anya at the Beach Co-op. She handles all the the beautiful beach cleanups, and we had a lot of fun with them for the Wavescape uh, Surf Film and Art Festival. Oh, that's great finished yeah so for each one of our projects uh we create like a a visual identity like Mm -hmm. i've always loved like gig posters and uh you know like like alternative you know film posters and stuff over the years so like for each of our projects um we create like a a visual identity and so like if you go on our website seawalls.org um you can go to the top of the page and there's a, a button that says activations and you can see like 30 something, you know, posters from around the world for these projects. So it's sure. really cool to look back on that. And each one has its own identity. But for this uh, uh, project, Seawells Cape Town, we worked with uh, an artist named Maneve from Studio uh, Moody. And um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a Nailed beautiful it. poster. And yeah, we're really excited to, to debut that very soon. We're going to make the official announcement for the project on World Oceans Day, June 8th. So stay tuned for that. Cool. Yeah, and we if you're anybody in the in the community that you know that is interested to participate or support or volunteer, um, definitely reach out to us. Um, you can go to the seawalls.org website and send us a um, a message there. We're also very active on social at seawalls.org or excuse me at seawalls underscore and uh, at Pangea. I'll have these all come up. Yeah, cool. All the links will come up. Just click them and go show them some love. Yeah, hit yeah, the follow, definitely. hit the like, and. Um, Let's get involved if you're in Cape Town. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Other ways that people can support Pangea Seed Foundation and the Seawalls Artists for Oceans program mm-hmm. um, are via our uh, web store, um, and that's at shop.pangeaseed.org. Uh, we work with artists from all around the world to create limited edition uh, art prints, fine art prints, um, that focus on uh, specific in- ocean environmental issues as well. Um, artists like Shepard Ferry, Tristan Eaton, Nichos, Cryptic, uh, just some incredible you know artists, and we do these like beautiful limited editions usually we do a drop like at least twice a month um but yeah proceeds from that go directly back to support what we do and the artists that support our our effort so that's a great way to you know purchase a beautiful piece of artwork that has a great story behind it put it on your wall keep the conversation going and support a great organization all the links are below um, those decks, I saw those skate decks. They oh, were absolutely beautiful. Thank you, thank you. Absolutely Wait, beautiful. The, the latest one yeah. with Jim Phillips? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, they, you know, people say, you know, be careful about meeting your heroes. Mm. Um, and this is this was like an opposite of that. So, like, when I first started Pangeasi Foundation, again, like, you know, I, I, I grew up skating. I have such a love for for that era of, you know, skating in the, in the mid to late 80s and in the early 90s. Um, and for me, like I learned about art and fell in love with art through skateboarding and through, you know, album covers and things like that. So skate decks, you know, were so inspiring to me. Um, and so when I started Pangeasi Foundation, like I just was, you know, throwing some Hail Marys out there and like 
I randomly reached out to Jim Phillips Sr., who's kind of like the godfather of surf and skate graphics. You know, yeah. anybody that's familiar with Santa Cruz, he did the dot. He did, um, you know, decks for, you know, everyone from like Jeff Kindle to, um, you know, Christian Hasoy and um, kind of everybody in between, like all the all the gods from that era, you know, mm-hmm. iconic, like just absolutely <laughs> iconic images um, and graphics. So reached out to him and we got along really well. He's a big shark lover. He's a big surfer. Um and yeah, we've been kind of like pen pals and hanging out kind of ever since. So um, recently, well, I guess, yeah, 2022, we did a large scale seawalls project in Santa Cruz. And that was kind of a, a bucket list location to, to bring the project to. Um, and through that, uh, we worked with Jim Sr.'s son, Jimbo, who's an incredible graphic designer as well, keeping that family tradition going. And Jimbo painted a gorgeous large-scale mural forest that focused on uh, plastic pollution. And Jim's classic, uh, like, beach cleanup image, the, the the pack your trash, do you know that one? Mm-hmm. It's the guy on the beach that's, like, kicking a can, and he's got a, uh, a sign. But, um, yeah, so uh, his son did kind of a riff on that, and it's a beautiful piece. And Jim came out. Jim, Jim hasn't been in the best health over, over the past several years, so he doesn't get out that often anymore. But he came out for that and visited Jim and sent me some photos of it. So it was really special to Very see. Very cool. Yeah, yeah. Jim, you know, wow. acknowledging the mural and stuff. And yeah, like I said, we've kind of become pen pals. And like, you know, he'll send me like newspaper clippings yeah. of like, you know, shark sightings and stuff like that in Santa Cruz <laughs> and stuff. And yeah, we send him like goodies from Hawaii, macadamia amazing. nuts and, you know, pancake mix and stuff like that from Hawaii. And like, yeah, yeah, he's amazing. Incredible. Yeah, he's everything you, you could want him to be and more. So shout out to you, dude. Shout out to Jim Phillips Sr. Yeah, Instagram's an amazing oh, space. Screaming Hand. Oh, the Screaming yeah, Hand. His, Santa Cruz, Screaming yeah, Hand. Yeah, it's probably his one of his most iconic images. Yeah. Insane. Um, yeah, Instagram's an amazing place, you know. I, I chat often now to Debbie Fletcher, you know, uh, Herbie, oh, wow. Herbie's wife. Yeah, and yeah. And she's such an amazing woman, you know. I had a I had a sort of like a Zoom podcast with her. Yeah. And she's just this like wealth of knowledge, surf history and heritage and... You know, her sons are wildcats, and obviously her grandson Grayson is just an insane skater. Yeah, that, it, it's amazing the connections you can right? make like that. Yeah, yeah, I randomly reached out to Christian Asoy um, last year, and so we've been going back and forth. And really, yeah, yeah we're working on a, a project together. Um, we're still in the dawning of it, but we've got some good ideas going. So be on the lookout for that. So <sighs> can't yeah. wait. Yeah, and the dude that was here before you um, from Humanity Stoked, mm-hmm. um, Michael Cohn, um, he was like, "Oh yeah, Tony Alva wanted to come on this trip with me, but like, he just couldn't for some reason." And, and I was just like, "No, <laughs> really." <laughs> I was really crying to my pillow uh, for that one. I got another one for you. Um, our, our one of our last major seawalls projects was on. Uh, kind of a suburb of uh, San Francisco. Okay. And uh, I reached out to Tommy Guerrero and um, he was big. kind enough to reply and we collaborated. And so for the closing event of the festival, his band played. Um, and yeah, that was just phenomenal. I've been such a big fan of like Tommy skating, of course, but yep. his music as well for the past 20 years. And yeah, he, he's another one that it was like, you know, he was just better than anything you could have expected. Yeah. A thousand times over. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, I think a lot of people within that space, you know, like that surf and skate scene, especially from our generation, you know, I mean, there's there's an engraved lo- love for the oceans, for, you know, creativity and bringing people together for the right reasons. Yeah, brilliant. I think we'll end off on that note. Thank you very, very much for this cool conversation. And yeah, likewise. Like it's been a pleasure. Get yeah. to hear the story about Pangea Sea and also seawalls and the connection with Wavescape and how everybody can get involved is by clicking these links below. And I think... That's a wrap. Boom. Thank you. <laughs> oh, I got one. This is a new one. What's that?
Jellyfish. Oh, okay, that's cool. Or it could be like a a, a, a little squid or something. A little squid. A little squishy. A little squid. Yeah. Do you know yeah. this one? Snail. <laughs>